Happy Mother's Day. Well, I want to tell you, if you have not been out by the property that we uh, are have begun construction next to Gamble Elementary, you will, uh, if you go out by there, you'll see there's a bunch of dirt that's been moved. So praise God. So how many are going to be glad to get in a space that has a little taller ceilings, air conditioners and heaters that keep a little more consistent, and no more tattered awnings in the front? That's my big pet peeve. <laughs> I'm excited. You know, the pressure is on, the, the, the pressure is building, and um, I'll just, a uh, little bit of advertisement here. Uh, next Sunday, uh, we will be getting into our, our capital campaign or our, our building funding, how we're going to uh, believe God for the finances for the building. Uh, you don't want to miss it. We'll have a video presentation of some video we've been collecting of the progress. And so it'll be a great time next Sunday of just really digging into what's, uh, what's happening and what's about to happen. Uh, so I'm praying that you'll be here. And uh, it's not just going to be about finances next Sunday and about paying for building. We're going to look at uh, the strategy the Lord has uh, downloaded to us for, for uh, the future of how we're going to minister to those that come into those new seats and uh, how we're going to use that facility. And so uh, make sure you're here next Sunday. Well, <clears throat> somebody said it takes about six weeks to get back to normal after you've had a baby. Someone else said that somebody doesn't know that once you're a mother, normal is history. Somebody said you learn how to be a mother by instinct. And somebody else said that somebody never took a three-year-old shopping. Somebody, is being, somebody said being a mother is boring. That somebody never rode in a car driven by a teenager with a driver's permit. Somebody said if you're a good mother, your child will turn out good and that somebody thinks a child comes with directions and a guarantee. Somebody said good mothers never raise their voices, and that somebody never came out of the back door of their house just in time to see a baseball thrown by their child go through the window of the neighbor's house. Somebody said you don't need an education to be a mother, and that somebody apparently never helped a fourth grader with his math. Somebody said you can't love the fifth child as much as you love the first, and that someone apparently only had one child. Somebody said a mother can find all the answers to child-rearing questions in books, and that someone never had a child stuff beans up his nose. Somebody said the hardest part of being a mother is labor and delivery, and that somebody never watched her baby get on the bus for the first day of school or leave home for their first semester of college. Somebody said a mother can't stop worrying after her child gets married and that somebody doesn't know marriage adds a new son or daughter to the heartstrings of a mother. Somebody said a mother's job is done when her last child leaves home. That somebody never had grandchildren. Somebody said your mother knows your love so you don't need to tell her. That somebody apparently isn't a mother. So I want us to look at a, a little bit of scripture here uh, on what someone else says about mothers. And some of you, when I say this scripture, you're going to be like, oh no, here we go. Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. I see some of the moms going, ah, just when I was going to walk out of here feeling good about myself. You're going to bring that up, Pastor. Proverbs 31. We're actually going to go to verse 10. We'll kind of allude to what happens before verse 10 later, but Proverbs 31, verse 10. Now, I don't use the message version too often. It's not a very little translation. But it's kind of fun translation i equate it to as the closest you get to a surfer's translation of the bible you know hey dude jesus said this hey dude that 
It's not that far, but it's kind of close. But today, there's some wording. I, I, I chose this version. So Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. A good woman is hard to find. Men? Amen. And worth far more than diamonds. I may get you in trouble. So just if you want to have your nice Mother's Day lunch, you better be careful. Don't repeat everything I say. Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life long. She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. Now my mom, when she met Jennifer, found out Jennifer had two sewing machines and knew how to use them. And son, she said, son, she has two sewing machines. She cooks. Marry her. That was the depth of the spiritual advice on marriage for, for my mom about Jennifer. She likes a trading. She she's like a trading ship. Don't men don't call your wife a trading ship, but she's like a trading ship that sails far away to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn preparing breakfast for her family. Mm, amen. And organizes her day. Let me just pause at the breakfast part. She looks over a field and buys it. Then, with the money she puts aside, plants a garden. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work and is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in the crafts of home and hearth, diligent in homemaking. You guys still think I'm reading jokes, don't you? I hear, I hear a lot of laughing. Well, we're going to get serious here in a minute. Verse 20, she's quick to assist anyone in need. She reaches out to help the poor. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows. Their winter clothes are already mended and ready to wear. She makes her own clothing and dresses in colorful linens and skills. Her husband is greatly respected when he uh, deliberates with the city fathers. She designs gowns and sells them, brings the, the sweaters and, and the, the knits to the dress shops. Her clothes are well made and elegant, and she always faces tomorrow with a smile. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. She keeps an eye out for everyone in her household and keeps them all busy and productive. <laughs> it's my fault. I'm trying to read this as serious as I can. It's God's word, and we'll get serious in a minute. I'm just feeling the tension. That's what I'm feeling. It's making it really hard to read this. First service, I couldn't get anything out because I just felt the eyes. Okay, 28, her children respect, be careful, Danny. Her children respect her and bless her. Her husband joins with words of praise. Many women have done wonderful things, but your, uh, you have outclassed them all. Charm can mislead and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is a woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves. Festoon her life with praises. And we can just end right there. I think that covers everything, right? Danny, Danny, I only do premarital counseling, remember that, not, not the other kind, okay? And everyone says, and all the women are probably saying on another Mother's Day message from Proverbs 31, too often women feel overwhelmed instead of encouraged. The ideal woman was described over 25 years ago, whoever this woman was, and she's making it rough for us even today. Who can possibly live up to the Proverbs 31 standard? I mean, this world is reality, not fantasy, right? Well, let's point something out right from the start. If we look at verse 30, 
The NIV puts it this way. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And this statement flies in the face of our American cover girl ideal, uh, the magazines and all that, uh, that, that pin beauty on, on a woman's outward appearance and how much uh, makeup she uses or how little she uses or all that. You know, um, I don't get much help from my extended family, uh, my siblings in this. My sister sends home a bunch of makeup for my six-year-old daughter to pick through, which I have a certain rule about. So I get home. I thought we'd already covered this on the ear piercing thing last year because someone else got their ears pierced at six years, five years old then. Uh, but daddy, so-and-so is getting her ears pierced. I'm like, really, you're five? Come on. And so we get through that, and I get home, and daddy, can I please have this one lipstick, just this one, which I later found out she'd actually already been allowed to try on. And uh, I had to sit around and said, honey, those people that make that lipstick spend so much money on convincing little girls like you that you just have to have that lipstick. But they aren't God, and God has made you pretty enough without that lipstick. And that lipstick and that makeup is more for mommies when they get tired of taking care of the kids and they can't control the wrinkles under their eyes. And that's okay for moms. I literally told her this. And I said, but you need to enjoy being beautiful like God made you as long as you can before you need that stuff, all right? So, anyway, I don't know how long I'll win out. But, but America wants to praise the beauty queen. The Bible tells us that the woman should receive honor that fears the Lord. And gentlemen, let me be quick to point out that we can say the same thing about us. We may idolize the athletes. You know, we don't watch the NFL stars because we're just happy for them. We live vicariously through them, right? We armchair quarterback. Oh, um, come on. Now, that wasn't a pass. Like you could do it better, right? Like you've got it all figured out. Uh, and, and muscles and all those things. Strength is not impressive to God. In fact, Samson had great strength and he still uh, faltered. And still ended up needing God's help. Blind and battered, God led him to victory. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools. Now, in this language at the time, this is really strong language. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. I've said this many times. I do it for your sake, whether you come to this church, belong to this church or another. I am your preacher easily. Pastor is a whole other thing because pastor means if I have to bring discipline to a situation, we still hug and say, God bless, let's work through it and keep going. But many people leave a church over discipline because they don't have a fear of the Lord because here's the thing. If we fear the Lord appropriately, then discipline we welcome because it keeps we have others to keep us in check with the Lord. It's a help to us. When you look at it as something to avoid, then there's a problem. And these words were written as an instruction from the world's wisest man, King Solomon, to his son. Now I mentioned that we'll talk a little bit about the first verses of this passage. See, Proverbs 31 doesn't really start in verse 10. A lot of us on Mother's Day will pay attention to verse 10 on, but... It's interesting how this starts. The book of Proverbs ends with the sayings of King Lemuel, but Solomon instructed his son to gain wisdom and knowledge through the fear of the Lord. In fact, it starts out basically saying, you've got to watch out for these certain kind of women, son, because they'll ruin a leader. Fast women, right? I'm just going to paraphrase. That's, that's my own message version. 
You got to watch out for the fast women, the ones with no morals, the ones that are not, that are not godly. They will ruin a leader. But Lemuel pictured the life lived under the fear of the Lord through a godly woman, a wife of noble character. And so the, it starts out with ones to watch out for and, and to stay away from, and then it leads you to what you should be looking for. And I find it interesting, Proverbs opens with this instruction for a son and ends with the qualities of a good woman. Now my parents were more subtle. I dated a little more than I'm proud to admit. And when I met my wife, I had to have a little coaxing because... I had gone after the wrong ones. And my parents could clearly see what the right one was and that she'd come along. We were good friends, and I thought it was just going to carry on like that. And my mom had to wake me up to facts like, she's not going to hang around forever and be your friend, son. Somebody's going to snatch her up. You better do it, right? So this is similar. This is an instruction for a son to, hey, this is what you're looking for. The Holy Spirit has beautifully woven together the writings throughout the book of Proverbs with a single theme. And Proverbs shows us how to live our lives under the fear of the Lord. Men and women, boys and girls, we all need to learn to fear the Lord. This is not just a message for the ladies today. Yes, today is Mother's Day and we are focusing on on the ladies, but we need to understand this is not a concept just for the ladies to fear the Lord. Therefore, ladies, don't let your husbands or a good-intentioned preacher on Mother's Day hold Proverbs 31 over your heads like a ball and chain. Proverbs 31 is not your to-do list. And husbands, if you've ever taken Proverbs 31 and used it as a weapon and say, here's here's what's expected of you if you want to be godly, then shame on you because here's here's the challenge for you. If you're going to do that with your wives, then let's hold us, ourselves men, to Job 31. Now, for the sake of time, because in second service we have a baptism then, I'm not going to read through Job 31. But basically the just is this. Have you ever done anybody wrong? An employee? Family member, anyone, men, you ever done anything wrong? There's part of that scripture says if you have, then you should just go, Lord, go ahead and cut off my arms and take my fingers too. So before we begin to point our fingers at our wives and say this is what a godly woman should do, there's plenty in scripture to point us uh, to be a godly man like Job, that even in trials, no matter what it is, we use bad things to excuse bad attitudes many times, men, right? We come home and we, we, we give our wives and kids what for because we come home there's a mess here or there's this and that. And our excuse is, well, if you knew the day I had at work, you'd understand. I need to come home and everything needs to be in order. You know, who cares if you've been spending way too much time at work and ignoring your family and you could be home helping with those things, but you come home and you're going to get it all straightened out in the first few minutes in the door. Ladies, I don't want you to have an unrealistic view of what God wants you to be. This list is not the to-do list, but it's the goal for a woman to look for, to say, this is the guidepost. This is, this is the guide in which I want to continue to be more like Christ. See, we have so many examples for men in Scripture of how Christ wants us to, to live, but we also have for women. This is what God is hoping for in women, but it's not something to be held over your head. There's a big difference between what's ideal and what's real life. The reason Jesus came is because we couldn't hold up to all the law we couldn't hold up to all the standards god had to us without some grace in an ideal world everything's perfect nothing goes wrong everything everyone gets what he or she wants and you know listen if your house is like that where people are just getting what they want without any work or anything behind it then it starts the wrong attitude it's not a godly one but life is different in the real world problems are the normal experience of everyday life See, that's where joy of the Lord comes in. Joy of the Lord is not dependent on your circumstances. 
You, you don't, you don't, happiness is fleeting. I had a good day, I'm happy. Tomorrow's a bad day, I'm not so happy. But the joy of the Lord carries you through where you don't react badly to other people because the joy of the Lord is your strength and that joy comes out to others. And, and that's where we look at Job when he was in the worst time of his life and his wife says, curse God and die. And he says, no, I won't. And Danny, he might have said, woman. No, I won't, woman. Probably not. What kind of people will moms, dads, married couples, single adults, and even kids be who are living their lives with the fear of the Lord? I want to give you some things that, that identify from this scripture, from this Proverbs 31, for men and women both today. What is it that identifies someone as someone who fears the Lord in the proper way? Number one, those who fear the Lord are trustworthy. Listen, one of the, one of the biggest problems, I know they say money, and uh, the physical relationships and those things are big fight items in marriages. But many times what, what, that, what the breakdown happened first was with a lack of trust. And sometimes we foster a lack of trust because we play games in relationships. Let me, let me talk straight to you for a minute on this uh, uh, idea of trust. Men, I'll, I'll hit you first. You should never use jealousy to leverage emotions or actions of your wife you should never put yourself in situations hoping that she'll be jealous uh, and, and that will make her want you more jealousy is not a good tool for marriage it's actually very it's very devastating it can cause uh, that trust account to be wiped out see trust is like a bank account as you grow together and you live you you walk life together you begin to make deposits in that trust account and it can take only one event of mistrust, of breaking that trust, then wipe the account out and take twice as long to rebuild it where it was. Or maybe never. Those who fear the Lord are trustworthy. In verse 11 and 12, her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful. She treats him generously all her life long. You know, I use this in the first service and it, I don't know how it comes across when I say this, um, but because uh, I don't, we never put ourselves in these situations, but it's the example I've used since we've been married. My wife was probably one of the few that, uh, women that I ever dated that I could leave her in a room full of men and I never had a second thought in my mind about any kind of problem or any... I, I knew she would conduct herself in a godly way. And that was a, a relief to me. That was a, great, that was a great treasure to me. And you know what that did for me? Because of her trustworthiness, it made me want to guard her trust with everything I had. If I even hinted, now you know now I'm older and fatter and, and don't have to worry about as much, but, but when I was younger, if I even thought that I was getting flirted with for a minute, run. And some of you thought it was crazy. If you've been here long enough, my first few years of ministry, if a lady came into church, I'd go set chairs outside in the, on the sidewalk outside and say, well, if we're going to talk, let's sit out here. Or, or if you try to come back and talk to me in my office, and it doesn't matter whether you're, you could be my grandma, it doesn't matter well, your age, or who you are. If you're a female, I don't want to get in my office alone with you. You could be the most godly woman I know, but I am going to protect and guard that trust my wife has in me at all costs. It's nothing against you. It's all about her. Do you understand? And men, that's how we have to guard ourselves. You can't go to lunches with friends that are females. All right? That's not pastor's orders. I'm telling you, that's wisdom. 
Just, just don't, you know, wisdom's when you don't have to learn from somebody else's mistake. So if you haven't done it, don't do it because that means you've got some wisdom there. Just the appearance, just the door you're opening, don't do it. You know, I had to travel with a, a female boss before. Most uncomfortable thing for me. No interest, no, no worry about anything like that. But because of work, and you know what? I prayed a lot before I went. I made sure at every turn I had a way to, to lessen that, that situation. But that's, that's building the trust account. That's living your marriage with integrity. So those who fear the Lord are trustworthy. Romans 14, 12. Yes, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. That means everything we do, those of you who are trustworthy, are dependable, reliable, and steadfast. They're honest, truthful, and upright. There is someone you can count on. But we still, in the end, who we're accountable to ultimately is God. And he will have a, he give us, we'll have to give an account for everything we do. He will examine every word we've spoken, every deed we've done, as well as those we've neglected to finish. It says in Matthew 25, 21, the NIV, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That is our goal. For God in the end to be able to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And especially in our marriages, the thing he put in the greatest care of ours. Before our jobs, before our children, anything else. Your marriage becomes before your children. I cringe someone sometimes when, and I know what they mean, and it's, it's well-intentioned, but when parents say, My children are my world. It better not be. They better not be. Your world better be your spouse. Those children will move on one day and you better hope to the Lord that the gift he's given you is still living with you and married to you because that is your first responsibility. Those children have been put in your care, but they're still the Lord's and they will move on with their own lives. But that spouse is who you are first responsible to. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. The NIV, in the NIV, and then the message says the one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. That means that anything that, that seems difficult in your marriage, in your walk, uh, in building that trust, God will help you to do it. The second thing, those who fear the Lord are diligent and hardworking. Verse 13 through 15 and 27. She shops around for all the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She's like a trading ship that sails far, to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn preparing breakfast, bacon, eggs, toast, cinnamon toast, coffee with, with uh, southern pecan creamer, and organizing your day. Sorry. Um, she keeps an eye on everyone in her household and keeps them all busy and productive. Listen, you know, sewing's not the issue here. Uh, and the knitting, that's, that's, there's a cultural thing there that was the, the main way that a woman could provide for family. They didn't have Walmart where you go down and buy the $5.99 t-shirts. But the idea is, is that someone who their, their purpose and their drive to serve the Lord is to serve their family with excellence. That when they leave out to get something, it may not be of monetary greatness. You know, it might not be something expensive, but it's the best thing she could find for what your means could afford. And, 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 and she's, she's wanting to do the very best for her family and everything she does. Contrary to what some people believe, work is not a result of the curse. We're not working because sin entered the world. Work is hard, terrible, and stinks sometimes because of the curse. But we're always meant to work. In fact, a lot of us, you know, we get this picture of the angels in the clouds sitting there eating grapes, and that's what we'll do for eternity. No, we're going to work. Oh, Pastor CJ, you just ruined my idea of heaven. No, have you ever thought, man, this job would be the dream job for me? You know, maybe you love doing art, but you're, you just can't make money at it. But you're like, if I could make money at art, that's what I do all the time. See, the Lord's designed certain things in you. 
that, that, that's stamped in you, that I believe that, we will, that God will fulfill that, the fulfillment that we get out of those, the, those uh, productive things we do, it will be perfected in heaven. Second Thessalonians 3.10, If a man will not work, he shall not eat. And I'll tell you, 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. But you know what? If a man will not work, he shall not eat. And if you don't work long enough and keep eating, you'll eventually not be able to work either. Psalms 128.2, you worked hard and deserve all you've got coming. Enjoy the blessing. Revel in the goodness. Number three, those who fear the Lord are future-minded. God wants us to be dreamers. I fear that our younger generations are losing the ability to dream. And for God to put visions in their heart about what He wants them to do because we're becoming too factual in our approach to the Lord. But He speaks through dreams and visions. He wants us to dream. It says she looks over a field and buys it. Then with the money she puts aside, plants a garden. It took vision. To see a place. I see a garden there. I'm, I'm willing to invest and put in that. And then also the fourth one. Those who fear the Lord are generous. It says in verse 20, she's quick to assist anyone in need. Reaches out to help the poor. Those who fear the Lord um, are the, uh, those who fear the Lord. It says in 1 Corinthians 10.26, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We realize that everything we have is the Lord's. We own nothing. He owns everything we have, and so we're generous with what He's given. Proverbs 11.25, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Many of us are so downtrodden, so heavy laden, and we're burdened. We're trying to work and provide for ourselves, and we're working so hard, but we've forgotten others. And because of that, we're not refreshed. We're not getting refreshed because we become so self-centered that everything's about just surviving. Let me tell you, it's really hard when you switch over to God's economy from man's economy. When you get your mindset shifted from, I provide for my family, to God provides for my family. You can do some crazy things, right, Ken? Like quit a good, a decent paying job and go two years without paycheck because you know there's kids out there that need a home, right? It, it causes you to do some crazy things, but then God's abundance and blessings comes. We've got to understand that it's not our job. We, I mean, we are to provide for our family, yes, but God's the provider, not your boss or your workplace. It's not just a good idea for us to share with those in need. God commands it. 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. How many, with these layoffs and things that happen at Walmart, you know, there was a time in Northwest Arkansas, you work for Walmart, you're set, right? You may not necessarily get rich, but you'll have a job always, right? As long as you do your work. Not so. Uh, the Bible says that it's so uncertain when you put all your hope in that natural wealth. But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life of, of life that is truly life. You know, this goes for churches. We mentioned before, do you know uh, national average is only 20% of the people in churches tithe and carry the full weight of the financial responsibility of the church? 20%. Most churches, if everyone was obedient to the word and tithe, the church would never have to fundraise. God's economy, he knows how it works. 
But they never have to fundraise if everybody was obedient to the word. But people come in the door at different stages in their life. That's part of discipleship. And I'm not so upset about that average or, or think that everybody's going to hell because we've got that average of 20% carrying the weight. I just realize that means we've got 80% that we've got to disciple up and help them understand God's way of blessing them through their obedience and giving. Number five, those who fear the Lord speak with wisdom and respect. In verse 23 and 26, it says, Her husband is greatly respected he uh, when he deliberates in the city with fathers. When he speaks, she has... When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she always says it kindly. Here's one of the most powerful things that you can get right in your home is careful of your tones. Careful of the tone you use with each other, your wife, your husband, your kids. I'm going to stop here for a minute because this is something that Jen and I have had to pray, and, and, and man, it's a struggle. The busier you get, the more frustrated you get with your schedule, and you know things are slipping, and you want, to, you want to keep things right with God, but you're just pushing yourself so hard. And, and that pressure comes down. You've got so much weight in your mind. You come home, and someone can ask for a glass of milk, and you're like, it's right in the fridge. Somebody's just opened a cabinet door. What are, you, what are you looking for? Everybody's getting quiet. We're in it together, right? I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, right? But listen. It's damaging to your kids. It's damaging to your relationship with your spouse. If you can't hear it yourself and they're crying out to you saying, listen to how you're talking to me. Don't get prideful. Don't stand on your ground and say, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't say it that way. You need to stop because you'll get that ball rolling. And once you do, you'll stand your ground harder and harder. The enemy will get a foothold. You need to be careful of your tone you use with each other. And listen, you'll, you'll know when you've been doing it because your kids will do it to you. When your kids start using a disrespectful tone with you, just look to yourselves and how you respond to each other. That's the key. That's where they're getting it. Not at school, because school, may, they may pick up some of that for a little bit, but when you have a strong bond between you and your spouse and you stand your ground together as a united front and your children on the outside wanting in, mom and dad have the fort, you want in here, there's some rules, okay? People think I'm terrible if I tell the story again, but I had one of my boys when they were, how old were they, two or three? They were able to talk and really think pretty well, but they were, they were still pretty small in di diapers, I think. One of the boys got mad said, I want new mom and dad. I said, all right, well, I own your toys and everything. I'll let you pick out one, go get it, put it on a backpack. I'll take you to Walmart. We'll go find you a new mom and dad. Got all ready, took them to the door, put them in the van, fired up the van. No, I don't want to. I said, too late, buddy. You got to watch. I was teaching them, your words are powerful. Be careful that you don't get yourself in a spot with your words and, make, and, and say something you don't mean. And, and we've done that with our kids. And, and there's been a couple times I said, well, I'm going to go back in with my wife and my other kids that want to be there, and you can sit out here and figure it out. Well, they're strapped in. They can't get out. It's dark, carport in Belle Vista, one of those Cooper homes. Of course, I'm watching through the curtains, you know, because <laughs> I'm making sure nobody can get to my kid. And you can see the wheels turning. Pretty soon the tears rolling, and they realize, I don't want that. Speak with respect. The fear of the Lord teaches us not to be careless with the words we speak. Matthew 12, 36. Let me tell you something. Every one of, you, uh, every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. That's in the message version. It's going to bite you in the backside. 
you, you, you use careless words and say whatever's on your mind and just let it fly and just let it land wherever you want and that's your mode of doing things? Let me tell you something. You may have had some years of good track record of it being funny sometimes and it working out for you here and there, but when your kids get older, especially, not just about your kids, kids get older, just wait till you're having to go to the police station late at night because they got used to just saying and doing whatever they wanted because it's okay in the home. To realize that your words carry weight. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. That's NIV. The message says words kill, words give life. They, they either, they're either poison or fruit. You choose. I was up a little later than I wanted to be on last night, but one of the things, God downloaded this from a message, and I put it on Facebook. I said, I said um, gossip, the drug of choice. You know what's funny about gossip? It's never positive. Because if it's positive, you're actually building somebody up. Boy, that Ken, he's an awesome guy. Or did you hear what Ken did? Man, I don't know what Shelly's going to do about that. Did you hear about Shelly's drinking? Yeah, nobody knows about that. <laughs> I didn't forget. I'll let you in on that joke sometime, but Shelly does not have a drinking problem. Someone has said you can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time, but you can't fool mom. We can pretend to be something we're not, but the people who know us best won't be fooled by how we dress ourselves up. Those who fear the Lord, number six, those who fear the Lord develop inner character. When I was at um, district council for the Assemblies of God, all the ministers in Arkansas that were there, and one of the speakers uh, talked about character, something we don't hear about. We don't hear the word humility used a lot anymore. We don't hear the word character used a lot anymore. But character, not pretending to be something we're not. Being okay with the fact that we're being developed and grown by the Lord and that the way we are is the way we are right now and, and we're in a process. Luke 6, 43-45, good, no good tree bears bad fruit nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. I didn't say this in the first service, but God's been downloading the message for next week. And, and yes, there's a part about the building and there's a little bit, but there's a lot more to it about how we care for each other. And, and you know what? There's times I may step on, on people's toes and please forgive me, but this needs to be said. I don't want to be asked anymore, where is so-so? I haven't seen them at church for a while. You know why I don't want to be asked? Because why do you think I'm the only one that's supposed to keep a, a track of people? Why do you think, am I a shepherd? Yes. But how good is a mother's sheep when she just lets her sheep wander off? I mean, if they're not just determined to leave and they trick her, but just keeps no track of them. The shepherd has to keep the whole herd together, but the herd's not just lackadaisical going like saying, well, who's these people? Who's these sheep? Like, I've never seen you before. The problem is, in churches many times is they look to the shepherd to be the one that takes care of all the relationships and we just attend. I don't want to be asked that anymore. And I'm not trying to be harsh, but it really hit me hard this week. I started thinking about it. I thought, why, when people ask that, I want to say, why don't you know? Why haven't you talked to them? Why don't you know their last name? 
Why don't you know where they live? Why don't you know they're in the body of Christ with you? Well, I just never had the opportunity. There's 88 seats in here in each service, and we generally have 120 to 130 people with kids. So there's 80 to 90 adults every Sunday. That is not too many. But for one guy to keep track of 80 to 90 adults every week to know exactly what's going on with them, that's difficult. There are people not sitting in the service right now that while I was in worship, I'm thinking, goodness, where are they at? I'm worried. Some of them have struggles in their life. We need to be on top of where they're at. And it gets overwhelming. You know, if I'm at the hospital with one guy and the next guy, time meeting with somebody else, why do we think that... I'm getting off on a tangent here and we've got to wrap this up. I'm just saying that our character and how we serve the Lord is many times lived, in, lived out in how we treat the body of Christ and how deep our relationships are with others. The relationships with each other is how we practice what we preach. Do you understand that? You can have a great prayer closet time with God. You can have great prayer time with God. But it doesn't mean anything if you can't live it out with other people. You can have your favorite TV preacher, but you can't hug nobody through that TV screen and sit with them in the hospital when their kid's sick. You got it? God has called you to a body of believers, whether it's here at New Song or somewhere else that's a good Bible-believing church. But, the, but, but we cannot anymore live our lives as Christians with no character. That we say one thing and we, and we amen when the preacher preaches about relationships and about getting along, about working through difficult things, but we'll go for months and months and months and never know somebody's name that's been sitting in seats just three rows back from us. See, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Luke 6, 43-45 the good man or woman brings good things out of the good stored up in his or her heart. And the evil man or evil woman brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his or her heart. For out of the overflow of his or her heart, the mouth speaks. On this Mother's Day, Proverbs 31 is not meant to be a millstone to hang around your necks, ladies. And men, it's not used to be a, as a weapon. It's a guidepost for us to say, you know what? Life is tough, and that's a really hard road to hoe right there. But with God's help, I will do it his way. With God's help, I will be that kind of woman. With God's help, I will be that kind of man, that Job 31 man. God, that I'd rather you take off my arms and fingers before I, before I treat anyone badly. Got to watch our tone. Be respectful. We got to have character. Let the Lord lead. We got to be generous. The Lord is looking for a church that is without spot or wrinkle. A couple other things I put out there last night. If you, you saw it on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, and I, I, the Lord just put it on my heart and said, you know, there's one way you can sure you can for sure stay lonely in your life, and that's to be absent from your own wedding. And the church is the bride of Christ. I also said, you know, you can quote Scripture and be out of context. Someone could say, you know, to be absent from the body is be present with the Lord. That doesn't mean to skip church. Let that soak in. Some of you are thinking about that. God loves the church. Not just New Song. He loves the church worldwide. He loves them. But we've got to let the Lord build a stronger family unit. 
the problems we're seeing in the world is from weak family units because we've not paid attention to these things. Little things like the tone you use with each other. Did you know that if every Christian home in the United States would just change that one thing about the tone that they speak to each other, I guarantee you we'd see revival begin in churches. One thing. We let so many things slip by that I'm pretty soon we're like, why isn't the Lord moving? Well, we're not treating him, treating each other like that Proverbs 31 or that Job 31 example. So I want us to pray before we have our time of baptism this morning and just ask the Lord to help us in our homes, to strengthen our families, that men, we will treat our ladies like God would have us treat them, and that ladies, we, you would treat your men like God would have you treat them. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning on this beautiful Mother's Day, Lord, with this beautiful uh, crowd of people here today, Lord, who have come together to praise you, to hear your word, to be the church. And Lord, I thank you and I, I, I honor you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to be a shepherd here at New Song. And Lord, as you're pushing us forward and we see this building begin to be erected, Lord, this, this new temple, this new place of worship, God, with these, with these open seats for, for more uh, families, Lord, let us not look to, to just the leadership of the church and say, fill these seats. Lord, Lord, it's not just about filling those seats, but God, let's let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and say, let me start in my home. And let me begin to honor you by, by living out your word with my spouse and my children. And then from that, from the abundance of that, Lord, let it speak to the lives of those who are broken, those broken families in Centerton and Northwest Arkansas. And God, draw them, draw them unto us, so Lord, that we can disciple them. Lord, that they come to know you and be discipled. Lord, let this be a place of healing for families. Let it be a, a, a place, this, this well of refreshing, God, from your word for those who are hurting. Lord, I thank you and praise you for these moms and these grandmothers today. Lord, we're so thankful for the gift you've given us. For those who can't point back to a positive example of a mother, maybe they didn't have a godly mother, they may have never known her, or, or maybe wish they hadn't. God, I pray you'd bring healing to those hearts. Wrap your arms around them, Lord. Let them know that you're a father to the fatherless, a mother to the motherless. Lord, that you're everything we need in one God. We're thankful for it. Now, Lord, I just pray over this time, Lord, as Wyatt comes to be baptized, Lord, and Lord, as these children come into the sanctuary, Lord, to, to see that their, their brother in Christ, Lord, make a public confession of faith through water baptism. Lord, I thank you for their family that comes here in their churches, Lord, that, that minister to them and they minister in. And Lord, we're just grateful for this time, very honored, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If I could have uh, Nathan, I don't know if you could step back and just see if uh, Mr. Tim, Pastor Tim, could, if he's ready to break loose and have the kids come up in the sanctuary. Parents, is, it, it's fine when your kids come in. If they want to come in, there's room around you to sit by you. That's fine. Otherwise, we'll just fill seats. Any of uh, Wyatt's family, uh, you're welcome to reposition if you want. open seats up here if you'd like to be here.